Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I am glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Now, two things before we get into today's episode. First, if you have not yet done so, be sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, I recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Go check that out. Get your swag and rock that you are a part of the Move the Ball movement. Okay, for today's episode, I'm super excited. Inside the huddle with us, I'm ready to share his insights, his experience, and bring lots of positive energy is Quincy Wilson. Quincy, welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. It's always, uh, as I say, there's no such thing as an off-season, but a chance to talk all I'm excited. Well, I'm glad to have you here with us today. And you recently had a birthday. And so, of course, I, I've told you this before, but I felt like a complete doofus and dingling, insert some other term here. But uh, we spoke on your birthday, and I didn't realize it until after we got off the phone that it was your birthday. So on the show, I'm going to again say, Happy belated birthday. And I know you had a great day. Well, thank you. Two birthday shout outs I'll take. But no, it, it was uh, another another blessing year. It's been a great, especially the last four or five months. So you know, things are going well. Well, I know this is going to be another fantastic year and you will continue to move the ball. So I just want to share a little bit about your background for everyone. Quincy is a retired NFL running back who currently is the head football coach at Fort Lauderdale University. Quincy played college football at West Virginia, and he was drafted in the seventh round of the 2004 NFL draft by the Atlanta Falcons. During his NFL career, Quincy also played for the Cincinnati Bengals. After playing ball, Quincy went into coaching. He's held multiple coaching positions. And as I mentioned, he's the head coach at Fort Lauderdale University today. And so we'll talk about all of that and more on the show. Quincy, are you ready to move the ball and get into our chat? Yeah, yeah let's go. Let's go. All right. That's an offensive mindset, so I like that. Move the ball. There you go. So as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about what's the best place to start off a conversation with my guests. So many places that I could kick us off with, but where I want to start is we recently had the NFL draft. Many young men's lives have changed in an incredible way now as they are about to start their next chapter of being a professional football player. You know all about this. You've been through that draft process before I mentioned you drafted seventh round. Tell us about what was your experience like after you found out that you were going to the Falcons and then walk us through mini camp, training camp, and kind of getting ready for that first season. Well, I I don't think people realize that you're a fan of football your whole life. And all of a sudden you're now there. So, you know, you get drafted and the draft, I know when I was getting drafted, it was only Friday, Saturday. And then literally like, Three days later, I was flying to Atlanta for minicamp because we had we had a new coaching staff, so we had an extra minicamp. So there's not a lot of time to like really like as they say celebrate. You know, you got like probably that night. You know, you get drafted, you party, and you got party, your fans, your friends, and everyone's calling you. And then 
it is back it's to work the next couple of days. So I know those guys, they were excited. The draft process is long and extensive, and it's the unknown. I think the worst thing in the world is knowing you get drafted. I think, you know, some guys that don't, you know, they're just hungry and they just want to get in the league and they just work out, their mindset's different. When you know you're going to get drafted, but you don't know where, you know, it's stressful because people are texting you, people are calling you, people are asking you, look on the internet, and they say, hey, you may go here, you may go there, you may go here. So the whole process leading up to April, you know, it's long. And then, like I said, as soon as you're drafted, you're going right to minicamp. So, but it's an amazing time. It's, it's awesome to realize a dream. I think a lot of those guys, you know, you go to these mini camps and, you know, A, you're just trying to stay healthy because a lot of football, you, you worked out, but you haven't done football related stuff. And like I said, you kind of dive into football stuff with that. So the main thing is getting through those mini camps. That will be diving into those playbooks, really getting ready for what's, what's ahead here at uh, fall, fall camps and all that stuff. And you mentioned a couple of great points and you know, one staying healthy. That's important. I mean, you know, people, I've known people that have gone through training camp and they've gotten injured. Right. And that's kind of taking their career in a different direction. And then also it is a business. I mean, yes, there's a draft and for people that are fans. And I mean, I was just a fan, not really involved in the sports, a very different perspective. You see these young men's names get called and so you're celebrating, but it's down to business. I mean, the NFL is a business and it's, it's to work right away. It's not like, Hey, we're going to celebrate, take the summer off. And then we just show up, you know, for training camp. There's a lot that goes into it in that football off season, in that period, right before the next season. Right. Yep, definitely. And like I said, we see the glitz and glamour, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Absolutely. And so you're someone that's kind of grown up with football around you. For those that might not be familiar, your dad played in the league. Otis Wilson played for one of my favorite teams, the 85 Chicago Bears, as you know. There you go. There you go. And so, you know, your dad was drafted first round, 19th overall in the 1980 draft, spent most of his career with the Bears and then a brief stint with the LA Raiders at the time, way back when, and and he is known as one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time, which he is awesome. And so just growing up, having your dad playing in the league, you you were exposed at a young age to the business of the NFL. Unlike some people that, you know, they might not have that guidance and coaching, so they're excited to get to the league, but they're not really equipped for it to be the business of football. So how has seeing your dad play professional football helped to influence you as you were transitioning into the league? It, it fueled my passion to get there as well. I grew up and people are saying, well, your dad's on Techno Bowl and your dad won the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl shuffle. It wasn't that my dad played that everyone knew that he played. You know, it's different. There's thousands of people that played in the league, but they were one of those teams that captivated you know, the city of Chicago and captivated the country. So it was that extra. You know, every time I went to a camp, sing the Super Bowl shuffle or this is that, or do you know Walter Payton? Do you know these guys? You know, so the constant questions, it, it fueled me for high school because I was being interviewed and I was used to doing this. I was used to saying that. I was never star, starstruck because you know, I've been to Michael Jordan's house. I've Grew up with Jared and Phil Simms, you know, all these guys, you know, Richard Dent, you know, Mike Cemetery. So to me, you know, those are all my uncles and they're getting beat up and taped up to the wall and stuff. So it prepared me for, like I said, the next steps where you know, I was kind of saying people are fans going in is that now you grew up watching Aaron Rodgers, but now Aaron Rodgers throwing passes. So it's like you got to get the sprout down because he's going to be ready to chew you out if you, if you ain't handling business. So you know, it's one of those things where I, I was exposed early, so it kind of helped me in my my four years there in the league. And was there anything that your dad said to you that first, you know, as you're going into your rookie season to get you prepared? It was more about the draft process. Going there, like I said, my senior year, I played in the um, 
the, the East West Shrine game and went and trained out there. Uh, he told me about getting agents. It was more the leading up to stuff. And at that time, you know, the Hayes in the barn, you know, we'd always you know, done camps and us. But it's more, like you said, the business side of things. You don't need a financial advisor. You're not in a first round pick. You know, you're going to be getting this salary and this, this, this. You just got to be able to be good with your money. So just little, little tidbits like that because there's always people going to be poking at these guys. And, and if you don't, if you're not experienced to that, and someone says, well, hey, Jen, I can come in and manage your money for you. Well, hey, that sounds good. You know, I mean, you're not asking well, what, what positions are you taking or what are you doing this or how you, you know, so to have, you know, someone that already went through it and is still in it, my dad runs his foundation and all stuff. And this stuff that I can tell my team going forward, guys will come over and, you know, we'll have, you know, a little bit of advantage over other schools because we, we know the process and we know what's going to be happening to each young man. So I'll come back to asking you more about your NFL career specifically and then your transition out into coaching. But something I like to ask a lot of my guests, especially those who have played professional football or even in my path to the draft series where I have these you know draft class guys coming up and thinking about how football has really helped to prepare them for success beyond the game as well as in professional football. And as you know, I mean, I wrote this book called Move the Ball. That's what really sparked this whole move the ball movement. When you look back at what you've learned from football, what are some of those lessons that you've taken away? I mean, outside, like everyone likes to talk about the hard work and the discipline. Okay, yeah, those are givens. What other things have you taken away from the game that you think have helped you to be successful playing pro ball as well as being a head coach today? It's seeing how people do it and saying, well, maybe that's not the wrong way, but I would do it differently. So there's tidbits. I grew up, I had coaches that were harder. They were you know, yellers or this or that. And I got yelled at as a little kid, so that didn't matter. But there are some kids, especially this generation, that don't grow up like that. So I can't then be, well, hey, this is how I was coached and this is how I have to adapt. So I think the greatest thing about football is it teaches you about life. The locker room, you know, there's white, black, Indians, Samoans. There's all these different cultures that come together. And the main goal is to try to get all these cultures and get all these guys to want to be a one accord for one goal. And, and, and that, and that's tough. You know, you got, you have a hundred different individuals in there and it's not, you can't just say, you know, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And this is the thing. You have to create a culture. You have to create discipline. You have to create, you know, accountability. You have to create that stuff and then hold these guys accountable. Not just with the kids, but the staff. You know, there has to be good communication with that. You know, kids can't see coaches not getting along. And it's, it's a, it's a big chain. But I like it because we're doing it at a small level. I, I can imagine like Nick Saban, who has a hundred people on the staff, and then there's 150 kids on the team, and then there's all oh, the boost. You know, it's, that's a lot. I feel like that <laughs> will wear wear on you. You definitely have to compartmentalize. So I like the way it's going, but going, but it, it definitely teaches about what time management, communication. You know, you have to be able to be good with women. You have to be good with teachers that don't have nothing to do with football. So you have to be a jack of all trades and be able to marry, marry all that stuff and not just depend on, you know, someone just to handle it. You know, a lot of times, and I'm lear- I've learned that already as a head coach, that the most of the decisions, you have to make a decision. It can't just be, what do you think? Some of those decisions are tough, but you have to do your research and make sure, you know, you're doing the best for, for everybody involved. And you bring up a, a number of great points. One, the being able to handle different cultures, different personalities, different backgrounds. You talk a lot about why competitive athletes are successful in business. It's because they know how to communicate and they know how to bring people together for that common goal, whatever that might be, whether it's a football field or something in the business 
setting. So a very important lesson that football and other competitive sports can give you in terms of great skills to approach life and outside of the sport. And making sure these kids realize that football is a small part of this, but it can set you up for the rest of your life. And it can set you up in a bad way. It can set you up in a good way. I've known guys that have gotten in trouble or gotten this and done this and and it never in their careers never got going. And it's really rare when someone does make a mistake and then comes back from it. They always say America loves a redemption story, but there's tons of guys that maybe one thing go wrong at a school and then never got back to that point. So teaching these kids that no one's perfect, but think about stuff. Take time. Don't make snap decisions. Don't drink. Don't get into the kids and the dogs and all that stuff because situations can go crazy fast. We live in a crazy world, not a crazy world, but we live in a fast lane world and life comes at you fast. So make sure we're constantly, it can't just be, we have a meeting in August. And we have to be weekly talking about what's important to these kids and, and making sure, you know, that the real world, you know, doesn't suck them in. So I'm curious about your perspective. Social media has been something that uh, is obviously used very heavily today. Wasn't around a decade or two ago, not to extend, but 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 what I'm curious about is, do you think it's helpful? I mean, a lot of I think a lot of people more today know about the NFL being a business and football being a business because of social media, and they can see different things. I think also the speed at which information is publicized is, I mean, it's lightning speed now, right? Something happens, someone gets into trouble, boom, the whole world knows about it. Do you think that having social media and access to information so quickly today is helpful for these young men to be more aware of, hey, make sure you stay out of trouble, make smart decisions? Or do you think that it's it's detrimental? I think, again, it's the educational piece. You know, it can't just be these are the team rules and, and you go forward. You, know, you have to show team meetings you know, with me this year. The stuff that goes on during the week, I'm going to be showing my guys, hey, such and such player at Tulane did this, such and such this. And it may get repetitive, but I want them to realize, like you said, I want you to realize that just because you're not in a big school, you're still going to get publicized. You're still going to be articles written. There's still going to be this and there's still going to be that. There's still going to be criticism. So to get them, as I say, we have to bust that bubble and make it real to them. And I think as long as it's real to them, they have a conscious effort and they have a conscious, you know, they kind of have to think about stuff because a lot of decisions that happen are snap decisions. Well, you know, I was this and this, this happened. So, as long as we can continually educate them about and use social media. You know, social media is great. You know, these guys are all little CEOs. They have these NLI programs going on for these guys, which is amazing. So educate them that you are a CEO now. Use this to positive. Don't be on Twitter and going this and that or going to Instagram with guns and all this stuff, kind of stuff because you see the rappers and you think that's cool. You know, that's not reality. And that's why I said let's make it real to them because it takes one time for someone to say, Oh, that and then and then you're not thinking they're not just going to say well, Quincy Wilson is a bad guy. They're going to say the University of Fort Lauderdale and what they are about is a bad thing. So making it making them realize that it ain't about you. You get in trouble, but it's the university that's on there. It's the football program that, that, that that's getting criticism. And I think as long as you, you know you educate the kids on that, is stuff going to happen. Yes, but I, I think you know it'd be small and in, in between incidents. Yeah, and I think you find like over the years, I mean, I've been working with a lot of younger athletes and guys that are going to the league. And it seems like most kids, they get that like, hey, this I, I'm a professional, right? I, I'm I'm a football player, but football is what I do. It's not who I am. So I need to manage my brand. I need to you know, be a good kid, get an education, right? Like do all the right things that a regular professional would do. 
It's not whereas I feel like two decades ago, people were like, I'm a football player. I'm untouchable. I can do anything that I want. Right. And so I think these young men who are the same age as those young men back two decades ago, but they're aware of like, yeah, you are a status, you're a public figure, so to speak, but you still have to be a professional and handle your business accordingly. Yeah. Because like I said, now when I was in school, you heard, well, hey, I heard someone got in trouble downtown. Now we're pulling up the phones and showing you what happened. Right. So it's, it's, it's a whole, like you said, it's a whole new different world that we live in. But I think, like I said, as long as you're educating them that, the eye in the sky is always on you. I think, you know, they're going to make, they'll, they'll make smarter decisions. For sure. So I want to run things way, way back and talk about you and football for a little bit. You were a running back. You mentioned playing in high school. So we'll start there for a second. You went to where high school, you ended up being the first player in West Virginia history to rush for more than 3000 yards in a single season, set a number of state records, went to a state championship, Set a record there for rushing 250 yards, rushed for over 6,000 yards in your high school career. You did a lot of running. (laughs) (laughs) And for now. So what what was the cue secret? What were you doing even back then to stand out and separate yourself from your peers? I think it was realizing that. You know, it was like, hey, I am a 5'9", 210-pound running back from West Virginia. So what can I do to get on the map? You got to think, you know, there wasn't no huddle. There wasn't this... I couldn't just go online and say, hey, this is what I did against you know, Brooke High School. We had to do VHS tapes, and pause and record and pause and record and send stuff out. So my junior year, I ran for you know, 2,000 yards and we lost to the state semifinals. And I seen you know, everyone crying and this, this and that. And I, you know, I felt that next year, don't worry, because I got this. And that was my mentality. I was like, if I have to carry the ball every time to win us a game, I'm going to do it. And I trained like that. I lived in West Virginia. One that's been in West Virginia knows there's not a flat or curvy road, or a straight road anywhere. It's all this and it's all up and down. I ran hills, you know, I ran stadium steps. I got got in shape, and you know, when the season came, I was prepared. I knew the offense, I knew the defenses I played against, and it was funny because a lot of times eight nine guys in the box. You know, it wasn't like sometimes you know you got to make somebody miss, you got to run somebody over, and I think that's kind of where my running style was developed. I realized that, hey, I'm a pretty big guy for, for high school. and I wasn't a, a 10-5 guy or a 4-3 guy. Straight ahead it, it is booming. Now, once I realized I could run over some people, and it was over. And I've always you know, had that mentality since. So high school, it was just realizing that I had a chance to help. And I think with a team, you have to empower everybody. So, for instance, you have 20 seniors. And your seniors, you know, they've been to the rings. But you got to make sure your seniors are telling your young guys that, hey, you know, if I was in your age, I would do this. You know, so it's kind of you don't want to you don't want to find out the secret sauce yourself here. Now, I found out the secret sauce when I was a senior. I wish I had found out the secret sauce when I was a freshman. So making sure you know, we're doing that and we'll be better moving forward. For sure. And I like what you talked about is, you know, recognizing that you needed to stand out because no matter what we do in life, it's all about separation and differentiation from those that are playing the game with us if you want to excel in your career, whether it's on the football field or in the corporate setting or as an entrepreneur or whatever, like you need to figure out how do you differentiate yourself? How do you set yourself apart so that you can attract the opportunities that you want? I mean, that's what I did. And that's why I was able to climb the corporate ladder fairly quickly. I mean, I was in senior leadership roles in my 20s in Fortune 50 companies. My peers were in their 40s and 50s. But it was all about how you got to perform, of course. But it was how do you separate yourself from everybody else out there? And I mean, same thing with this movement and this Move the Ball brand. It's, again, differentiation. So I think that that's important that you were thinking about that when you were so young, you know, in high school, to have that mindset that you wanted to make sure you stood out from other people. 
and being not afraid to fail. So say we wouldn't have won the state championship. That, I mean, that would have not been a success for me. You know, I put a lot of work the season. So the state championship wasn't a cherry on top of 3,000 yards was a cherry on top. But if that didn't happen, it was still a bit success. And I think a lot of times, you know, I have a son, you know, he'll be 20, you know, here, but they are, are right now. They are right now. I want results right now. I want it done. I did 10 push-ups. I should be benching 300 pounds tomorrow. You know, that's how they think. You know, they're just they're right now because, again, social media comes at you, you know, information at you. So, like you said, I love that because you're a woman. You said, I don't care. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You're fearless. You, and you weren't afraid to fail. And if it didn't work out for you, who's just, you, know, you still would have been a success. And I think making people realize that. These kids need to realize that, hey, you're going to fail. That's life. And then, so what did we learn? Okay, well, I got to do this. Boom. I think separating the results. We're always worried about the results. The results are not it. It's the work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be in love with the work. Be in love with that's why I don't know Nick Saban personally, but I always hear him talk about the process. It's a process. It's not the national championship. It's the process. And being in coaching, it makes so much sense to me. Yes, you know, it's not about going wins and tending. Now, that's what we judge by, but that's not what we live by. Right. You're, you're absolutely. It's about the process. It's about putting in the work, falling in love with the process. And when you, when you fall in love with the process and you show up and you do what you're supposed to, the results will come when they're supposed to come. But it's all about the process. Exactly. So you ended up playing for West Virginia. Why did you want to be a Mountaineer? What other schools were you considering coming out of high school? Well, again, like I said, I was kind of a loomer, as you say. So, you know, I had some schools going in, you know, senior year. But obviously, when you rush 3,000 yards, you know, other schools come calling. So, so I took a visit to Georgia. I took a visit to you know, West Virginia, Pitt, you know, Purdue. And I, I probably had, you know, you can only do five. And I probably had 20, you know, because I was just excited that coaches called the house. But when all those bits and, you know, to me, and this is kind of what I tell kids, you know, in recruiting now, like, I had two things that I cared about. I wanted to play close to home, and I wanted to play early. And any school that didn't that realm, I was out. And that's what I tell kids now. It's like, have your non-negotiable. You know, I want to be this. I want to be, and don't make it about uniforms, or don't make it about this, but they have a law school. They got this. I want you know, Make them realistic stuff. And then West Virginia hit all those marks. I went on my visit. Had a great time. And then Coach Neilan and about three, about really four of the other coaches came to my house, came and you know, were sitting on my couch. And I was calling all my friends, come over here. Well, Coach Neilan's here. So just, you know, they went above and beyond, you know, to me. And I'm sure they probably did that for everybody. But to me, I thought they went above and beyond to get me here. Mm-hmm. And, and then everything else lined up. You know, I was an hour and a half away from home. They had Amos Airway, who was a great, you know, Hall of Fame running back. He just left early drafts there's a chance to you know, compete clearly so it just worked out perfect gotcha and we talked about how football is a business we live in an interesting time today you know social media as we talked about it allows you to be visible no matter where you're at so you know i've had other head coaches come on and talk about it doesn't necessarily matter what school you play for if you're good they will find you right and so you know, we also live in this new NIL space, as you mentioned earlier. So, you know, when you're looking at kids considering what schools to go to, you mentioned a little bit, but what other advice would you give them in terms of choosing? Because the decision-making process is a little bit different today than it was even, you know, a year or two ago, especially with NIL. Well, now you ended out, there's the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So recruiting has changed for schools now. I mean, a lot of the big schools just say, hey, why am I going to recruit a high school kid when I can just recruit our conference? Or recruit, you know, the country, you know, other D1 schools. So the model is changing. 
what I would tell kids, you know, moving forward is, hey, number one, relationships. You know, if you're talking to a coach once a month, that's not a relationship, okay? If they just invite you to games, that's not a relationship. A relationship is communications. There's a plan. You know, hey, you know, I see you doing this in our offense. I see you doing this, man. Writing a letter, you know, writing letters, that's one thing that I would make my staff do, write letters, you know, a personal letter that you take time and, hey, man, just thinking about you, just want to say, and mail it. I just text. Anyone can text anybody, but actually making these guys feel, I want anyone that's being recruited by our school to feel like, you know, these guys really want me. Yeah. They're not just recruiting me, they really want me. So, you know, to feel that, you know, right. and, and show and give them examples. You know, a lot of times, the coach, what do you mean? Okay, well, has a coach called you today or does he text you? Well, he texts. Okay. Does he does this? So just giving examples and like I said, you know, making them realize that, oh, you know, you're right. That is not this or it is not this. And making them realize, well, that school does that. So I just told you I had 25 official visits set up, but mm-hmm. you can only go to one school. Right. You can only visit five officially where we can official and officials just, you know, we pay, you know, pay for that. You can go to other officials many times on your own dime. But Making sure, like I said, the relationship with your position coach and the relationship with the staff is good. And then can you see yourself blossoming there? You right. know, if I'm, I grew up in West Virginia and say USC wanted me, okay, can I survive in LA? You know, yeah. you know have I been to LA? Do I have family in LA? You know, do, you know, is there a connection, you know, you know, there? So I think a lot of times these kids make snap decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times I feel like they're pressured. Yeah. You know, there's some schools that say, hey, you need to know something about two weeks, two weeks ago. So it's a perfect storm where, you know, you got the 17 year olds that are impressionable that, you know, like I said, some, some of these guys are really good at their job, mm-hmm. you know, really good at, you know, selling. I say the recruiting genre and not really selling themselves. You know, like anybody that recruits me, they should be able to say, well, Coach Wilson grew up in West Virginia and played at WU. Played in the league, you know, he should be able to tell you something about the people that are recruiting. Right. I got you. Great advice. I appreciate you sharing your perspectives on that. So the game of football has changed over the years as a business, as well as rules and things. And you know, you, you excelled at the running back position back in the day, played at the highest level. When you look at how the game has changed, how the business of football has changed, we talked about the draft and how it just happened. We've got a number of young men, including running backs, heading into the league. What are the things that you think are necessary for running backs going into the league today to do to be able to excel and be elite at this position? Well, like you said, it's changed. Like I said, I've, you know, I'm only 10 years removed from NFL, but I was right on the last edge of the bell count. You know, the guy who carried the ball 25 times, 30 times, and you, know, you, just, you just rode that horse in there. Now it's my committee. You know, I think the only really team in the league that pounds people like that you know, is Derek Henry, but you know, he's 250 pounds. And, you know, he's, he can carry that load. Right. You know, your average, your average backs aren't that big. So I think, A, getting in there, knowing the system. Know the system in and out, you know. Secondly, get on teams, you know. Some guys, like I said, they have been stars, but, again, there's not the guy who's carrying it all. So that may be a way to stick in this league, you know, because the running back position in the league is probably next to kicker. They don't value it, and we can just get a running back anytime. We can just do this with the running backs. So it's, it's kind of one of those positions. It's not like quarterback or left tackle or corner or, you know, deep tackle where they, like, value. Oh, my God, this guy's a generational guy. So. There's already that knack for their league. So now, you know, you got to bring value. You know, mm-hmm. it can't just be I run the ball. So, you know, even if you haven't played special teams since your freshman year or school year, you go to that special teams coach and you say, hey, you know, I can block a kick for you. I can return a kick for you. I can do this. I can do this. So the more you can do, 
Even I don't care if you're a first round guy, you know, because that's going to show your team that, oh, yeah, this guy's a first round guy and he wants to play on some things. I'll fight for that guy. I'll go to bat for that guy. So, yeah. you know, draw you to your teammates and realize early that's a business. You know, even though they, that they draft you, mm-hmm. you could be here today, traded tomorrow or cut and you know, all that stuff. So I think you're just there and you're going to be there and you know, have the mindset that, you know, hey, I'm here for business uh, and I'm going to um, take care of it. But my advice to, and not just running backs, but anybody in the league outside of those propositions is bring value. You know, bring value. The only way you can bring value is, is the more you can do. Right. And that's a great point because it, it, we've talked about this a number. It is a business. And, you know, I have guys come on the show that are playing in the league today and they talk about, you know, how there's other people ready to take your spot. And so it's all about what have you done for me lately? What value are you bringing today? Because if you're not continuing to bring it, you're gone. It's a tough business. It's, you know, out with the old and in with the new. Right. It is. I mean, just that no one in the corporate world are they trying to replace you every day, every year? Right. You know, no one, no one in the corporate world, the business world, you're on a one-year contract. You're in, in your business world. The reason why you use your job is because you ain't doing your job. Mm-hmm. There's people who do their job well, but they think someone else can do it better, and they let them go. Right. And that's it's crazy. You know, it's and it's crazy to think about that. And you know, the fact that anybody and I always say, you know, they always talk about the lifespan of the league is through this and that. And you know, anyone who sticks past that. You know, you got to tip your hat to them because every year you are literally fighting for your job. Absolutely. Literally. Right. You know. And you can be performing, but if they can find someone else that performs just as good at you and is cheaper, you're out. Because, again, it's a business. So they're looking at how can they save their costs and spend it where where they need it. Exactly. So as you were getting ready to transition out of the league, I mean, you obviously understood that this wasn't going to be something that was there forever. And so what were the things that you were doing to position yourself for that next phase of life? You know what? Every kind of NFL team has their own kind of community outreach and community stuff that they do. There's like a liaison that said, hey, you know, we're doing an event at Children's Hospital or there's an event here. I did every event possible. You know, I wanted to be, they had somebody, I would say, hey, I'll go. You know, if it was golf, I'll go. And the reason why I did that is because as I looked at it, you know, and I played in Atlanta with Mike Vick and those guys, they know those guys. You know, they can walk into a mall and see them from, hey, there's Michael Vick. When I got to Cincinnati, it was Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson and you know, TJ Husmanzada. They're like name guys. So, But the real thing I realized about football is people love football. Yes. They're passionate about football. Mm-hmm. It is America's sport. You know, they can say baseball and NBA is popular, but people love football. They're passionate about football. So I endeared myself to the community and people knew me. They're like, well, hey, you know, I, I'm rooting for you. I want you to make the team. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you came and played this, you know. So, and I started networking. I did these golf ads. I did this stuff. So I started hearing about you know, when I was getting in, you know, the pharmaceutical sales where it's like a big boom going. And I started thinking about, well, hey, you know, I'm an NFL guy. You know, I could probably get in easy with that. And, and it worked out. You know, I got my four years and you know, I didn't even need a resume. I just said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about getting in there. And it was like, we'll call you, you know. So, mm-hmm. You know, using, taking that mindset of, and I know, no, I'm not I'm not saying everyone to do that, but, you know, endear yourself to your community. You know, for me, it worked. You know, I just, I'm a personal guy. You know, I could, I've never met a stranger. You know, it, that's just, that's just me. But, you know, always, even like I said, even if you're a first round guy, set yourself up for that. You know, network, talk to these guys, talk to these teachers, these lawyers, these guys, because, you know, they may, and like I said, now with, you know, the investment's real big and all this stuff, you know, somebody might be giving you a tip. 
or you might meet some young tech guy that's neat. Right. You just never know. Right. So don't ever, you know, keep an open mind. You know, I think a lot of guys, you know, they want to keep their circle tight. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be, I got to worry about people doing this. And that is true. Yes. But that's if you're hanging out in the clubs and that's if you're doing this, you know, you want to keep your circle tight. They should be something on the news about you doing something every day. Well, today, you know, he bought books for the school. And yesterday, he bought the fire department this. And so that gets the people into balls and, and it separates the athlete. Right. And then you just become, you know, Quincy Wilson, a great person. Right. And they just don't introduce you as an athlete. They say, this is a great human being. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You know, and, you, and you can transition from just being a sports person you know, to just being you know, a humanitarian. Sure. And it's about managing that brand. So yes, you're a professional athlete, but I really like that you talk about the networking, right? It's important to network, especially while you're in the league. A, you don't know when your time is going to be up. For most guys, they don't choose to retire. Some do, but oftentimes they're told they ain't coming back and no one else picks them up or there's an injury. Right. 99% of people will be cut. And, and so it's about setting yourself up for success by building that network, getting involved in the community, just getting out there and meeting people. And you can be selective with who you let into your inner circle. But again, you know, build that professional network earlier. And also while you, you mentioned people love football. And so leverage the fact that you are a football player or, you know, a pro athlete in some other sport, if you're in another sport, whatever, leverage that to make those connections today because people love to associate themselves with professional athletes. This is reality, right? So so leverage that to your advantage so that when you're ready to be done playing, then you've got this pathway for success right. afterwards. You're not sitting there struggling and trying to figure out what's next. Yep, that eases your transition from football. Absolutely. So let's talk real briefly about you coaching. So you're a head coach at Fort Lauderdale yep. University. What are some of the things that you're really focused on right now with your football program? Well, first and foremost was establishing, you know, that trust with the current guys. Then obviously getting out there and recruiting, you know, some of the guys that are still out there. Obviously the summer here, you know, we're about to start summer school and you know, start our summer workouts. And it's one of those things where summer goes fast. You know, wintertime, you feel like you get there and, uh, you know, January and February kind of drag. But May, June, and July fly. So mm-hmm. just making sure, you know, we're covering our bases. Like I said, we're going into our second year as a program. And, you know, we don't want to make the mistakes that we did last year. We want to improve. We want to learn from those things. And, you know, if you thought you worked out hard last year, then you should work out even harder this year. Mm-hmm. If you didn't talk to your position coach in the summer, you should be talking to them every week. You know, just changing the narrative and fusioning these new guys, you know, making their transition. Because it is a transition, you know, mm-hmm. we, you know we're going to have some guys you know, from California that are coming to South Florida. That's a huge transition. So yes. we got to make sure we make that transition easy for them. Make sure mom and dad are safe. You know, oh, you're giving right. me my baby. Yep. You know, make mm-hmm. sure. So it's it's a lot of things that go into it. And we're starting early. You know, we started in May, the meeting as a team, and just hit like little markers and little barriers. So then when August comes, you know, all they're doing is going to their dorms or going to their apartments, you know, putting their stuff in and coming over and, and getting ready for football and not learning football, just working on the stuff we've been doing all summer. Love it. And I look forward to seeing how you all continue to evolve and progress as we go through the summer and then into next season. Yes, we need you to come talk to us during the camp. Yes. We'd love to talk some business with our guys. And, you know, it can't always be football. There is life after football. These guys are, it is higher education. So business and criminal justice is one of our best majors. So, Definitely would love to have you come down or Zoom with the team here this fall. Absolutely. So, Quincy, what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two-minute drill, ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Always ready, right? That's right. All right. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? (laughs) A truck driver. 
Really? I wanted to drive 18 wheelers. I was fascinated by trucks that I, I would have drove an 18 wheeler at 10. Interesting. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Funny, good friend, even though it's part two words, and family. Okay. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? When I was in third grade, I was on a show called Double Dare. You were? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Tape, tape an episode. It was all scripted, so I, I didn't win. The girl won, but I uh, tried out for uh, a couple TV shows. They, you know, they used to have these casting calls in Pittsburgh and stuff, and mm-hmm. I went up there. My, I begged my mom to, to take me up there, and I got a call back. So I, I was on Nickelodeon back when I was there. Nice, good for you. Hopefully, those tapes are burning. <laughs> so you know, those are VHS. They probably disintegrated by now. So we'll keep that off YouTube. There's somewhere out there. I bet somebody they look hard enough to find it. My next question is, if you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would it be? Wow, that's tough, man. I am a music buff, so uh, it has to be something fun, something exciting. Play the Humpty Dance, because I feel like everyone knows that. <laughs> all right. What book are you currently reading, or what podcast are you currently listening to? You know what? I like David Brown. Okay. Yeah, he's good. He's uh, ex-military, and you know, he, he has a lot of stuff that relates to football, right. mindset, toughness. You know, I watch a bunch of his YouTubes. I've, I've read his book before, so definitely, you know, I'm a big DG fan. Yeah, he's definitely one of one of the great ones out there for sure. My next question is: You're hosting a dinner party, and you can invite three famous people. They can be living or deceased. Who would you choose, and why? I'm gonna go old school. I like to talk to Martin Luther King, and just you know, pick your brain about you know why. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to carry the torch for all that? With that, you know, I got to pick somebody fun. Uh, maybe like Michael Jackson or Prince, you know, like they're just, mm-hmm. I'm sure they have crazy stories. <laughs> I'll like good stuff about that. And then, um, that's a good question. I mean, man, a lot of people out there. You know, I, I like to pick a lot of people, but yeah, I'll go with those three. Prince, Michael Jackson, and Martin Luther King. Okay. Three great choices. And my last question is, do you sing in the shower? Every day. So the follow-up question would be then, are you good? Uh, well, they said the acoustics make it good. So I've been told to stop, but I've also been told that I have a, the voice of an angel. Well, so there you go. It's somewhere in between that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good. As we look to close the show, where can people follow you? Where is the football program at on social media? At UFTL Football on, on Twitter and Instagram. Me personally, HCQ Wilson on all platforms. Definitely, uh, like I said, we're a second-year program in South Florida. Definitely excited about my first coaching job. Been in the game for 10 years. And please, you know, follow us. You know, we're going to have some great content coming out. I feel like I'm a fun person anyway. So, you know, I had trips in Vegas and all that kind of good stuff. So I feel like I wanted to be real. You know, I think when people look at us, I want them to be like, you know what? I like them guys. You know, they, they do a good job. Love it. And I can personally attest to that. You are a fun guy, positive energy. Bring every time I talk to you, you always have so much energy. So right. I, I encourage people to go check bring out. Bring the juice. Yes. I'm going to have to use that hashtag. I'm sure somebody always does that, but bring the juice. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I encourage everyone to follow you, follow the program. Looking forward to seeing all the great things that you do, Quincy, and how you continue to move the ball. Thank you so much for being on the show today. That's right. Two minute drill, move the ball. We killed it. <laughs> And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. Remember, if you have not yet done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And also share the show with a friend or two or three. That's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. 
to see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.